0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Infinite Mind Podcast. This is episode four. My name is Lee McKinney. Um, thanks for coming back again. Round four. This is fun. we I took a week off. I was on my honeymoon. Actually, it might be two weeks at this point. But yes, it was necessary. And if anything, I have more goodness to talk about. So no harm there. It is November 15th, 2019. Um, if you haven't seen the podcast before, basically, it's just my way to connect with you guys um i think that back in the day i mean i'm not the guy who's on instagram all the time like instagram live or facebook live and so i feel like if there's a way to you know connect with you guys and hang out this is it um i want the podcast to be interactive um so if if you want me to talk about something if you have a question for me you can write me on my instagram my twitter uh, you can put it in the comments below i have been actively checking all of that for this um so yeah anything you, th- you think of Get it, get at me on there. Um, it's a good time. We uh, Tonight we're going to talk about basically what I've been up to, Born of Osiris, um, the new record of Born of Osiris, the new tour of Born of Osiris. Um, there's a lot, lot going on in, in that world. A little bit about my solo stuff. I'm um, going to do a Q&A with questions that I asked for yesterday on my Instagram, and uh, I'm going to do two album reviews today. I have some really cool ones, and I'm excited about them. So yeah, we're gonna have some fun. But yeah, so it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, so shortly after my last podcast, one of my honeymoons, I was saying, um, we were actually earlier in the year, my wife and I were sipping some wine at home, and just kind of started browsing, talking about our honeymoon, browsing cruises. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's been three years. So it's about time that we kind of just locked it in. And I think it's funny that we we're having a bit of wine and just it felt impulsive the next morning. We're like, did we, should we have done that? We're like, yes, hundred percent. We haven't done this yet. Now's the time to do it. If ever, um, we just, we picked a night uh, or a week and we just committed to it. And so it was great. Um, we went on a cruise to seven days, six nights, um, went to Cozumel, Costa Maya from Texas, um, Galveston, Texas, where, where it took out of, uh, or left uh, harbor, whatever you say. Um, so we rented a car in Dallas because we didn't know if we drove ours, if we'd have to you know, store it for a week in you know, some expensive parking situation. We had enough luggage that we figured flying was going to be too expensive as well. So we rented a car and made a road trip out of it. I think it's four and a half hours from where we live in Dallas to Galveston, which is where the boat took off. So rented a car, drove to Galveston, and it was it was a blast my wife is the best road trip dj ever the second you think she's played like a million banger songs that you're just singing having a fun time you know in the car too she she's got another hours worth so that's a blast she she played music we had fun we laughed um she took a nap i kind of crushed the bulk of that drive even though we were going to split it um just getting past houston there was just not really any place to stop so it was fine i drove the whole time but you know because of her had fun and uh, we always have fun when we're in our car, um, but I'd say we got to. I think the boat took off at three p.m. the first day of the cruise, so midday. It's a bit cold in Texas, and so even though we were, you know, sailing south, that night was still pretty chilly on the boat. So you know, we kind of spent that first day, um, just the bulk of it, seeing the ship, locating the bars, locating the um, the theater. They had you know stand up com- uh, comedian. And they did uh, other performances in this theater, uh, the casino, the pools, the hot tubs, all that. So we were just kind of getting a grasp on on where everything was. Um, we purchased these drink tickets, which were a great idea. Um, they're four or 400 bucks a person. However, you get unlimited drinks um, all seven days, morning, night. Um, as far as I know, there's not even a cutoff time. I didn't push it but I don't believe they even stop you at any point in time especially when you get off I think it's like 30 miles off the coast they had different laws so like the first maybe hour of the of the cruise we could only buy certain drinks the menus were smaller there's these you know different liquor laws that that still applied to to Texas I guess because we were still somewhat close and then as you got off yeah there's no not much for curfew there's uh you could just kind of do whatever. It was wild. Um, but anyways, we purchased these, uh, drink passes. So you think, you know, 300, 400 a person is a lot and it's a lot to put down at once. But when you think about if you're going to drink for seven days and I'm not even saying we were trying to, you know, drink so much, so like so heavily, but the thing is, is you got to imagine on these cruise ships, each drink is 15, 20 bucks. So, uh, even if you're casually drinking a course of seven days, you're going to spend a lot of money. So the drink ticket is totally worth it. And they actually tip all the bartenders out of out of the purchase of the, t- uh, the drink ticket. So you don't even have to worry about that. You're kind of just cruising around, grabbing a drink. They don't, ask, uh, they don't ask you for a tip. They know they've been tipped. They treat you so well. And it was fun. So night one, we uh, had a few drinks. We did get in the hot tub, even though it was freezing cold. But they had one section of the ship that was indoor. And so we went there. It was a kid, no kid indoor zone. And so that was a good time. My wife is a bit less patient with uh, children, especially screaming children. So that was a good place for us. We spent you know, a few of the most of our time I would say was in there. um, Unless it was you know, she was trying to catch some sun and then we would go outside. But had a few drinks got in the hot tub It was a relatively calm day one. Um, day two we were a little more south so things were starting to get warmer you no longer needed a hoodie to be out on the top level so it was officially t-shirt weather it really felt like the cruise began um it was nicer for sure we explored more of the boat we got in the water we got in the hot tub we made good use of our unlimited drinks like i said we 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 took advantage of more of the outdoor pool today because there was sun you know i burn like crazy being as pale as i am but she is a brunette, loves the tan, and uh, can catch a tan pretty quickly. So she wanted to do that. We had fun with that. I have to kind of put a lot of sunscreen on, or I have to stay um, under cover. But the nice thing was that day that the the pool of uh, the hot tub areas had a cover over them, so I wasn't exactly burning the whole time, and that helps me. Um, and at night, this is the best part, there was this 70s disco, so they have, this, they have two coordinators on the ship that basically plan all the events for the people. And on night one, we saw her like introduction to the cruise and a stand-up comedian. Forgot to say that. So we kind of already knew who she was, but she's this real fun English lady, accent. She's wearing a cowboy hat and a fun dress, and she's jumping around, having a good time. So she hosts the disco the next night. And it's so fun. Like I've never really danced that style before. I mean I enjoy having drinks and dancing. It's a good time, but um the 70s thing I didn't know, but the cool part is she was kind of up on this perch and she was kind of leading you to do these certain moves. So it was real fun. I, you know, I as much as I enjoy dancing, I'm not much of a, a good dancer and she made that all, you know, easier. So 70s disco, my wife had some disco pants, these shiny tight black disco pants. They were a blast. I had this button-up shirt with a pattern and I made sure not to button it up pretty far because I definitely wanted it. We're just having fun. We're embracing the 70s disco theme. Uh, we drank our asses off. We danced our asses off. And the funniest part is I do remember in the moment that there was a camera behind us on a tripod. But at this point in time, I didn't realize that they film all the events on the boat. And they basically have this channel that um, it it plays in everyone's room on the entire cruise ship and it's all the events. So basically, we're just basically we dance the night away. We're drinking, we're having fun. Next morning begins. And then we realize it has not quite ended because we turn the TV on. And there we are. Here's what we didn't realize. The whole crowd of people, we stood directly in front of the camera. And so we were watching this and we're kind of like maybe a couple spots of the night we didn't quite remember. This was our big night. And, uh, It's just funny to wake up the next day and and you're like, I don't remember this part. I don't remember this part. We're kind of talking it out, you know, and then you turn the TV on. Boom. There it all is. And we weren't. I'm just saying it's literally camera on us drinking, dancing, laughing. It was a riot. Honestly, Um, it's all good fun. But, you know, when you're waking up, you're just like, oof. but we had a blast. Probably probably my favorite night of the entire cruise. We just had too much fun with that. Um, so then the next few days were the excursions. Basically, the, you know, the off the ship stuff. Uh, we did uh, Costa Maya and Cozumel. And the, they were consecutive days, one after the other. So I'd say day this is day three and four or four and five. I forget. It's hard. You know, this just happened a week ago and I'm screwing up my days. But so, yeah, we went to Costa Maya and Cozumel. Day one, we just literally walked off the boat it's kind of a long walk from the ship to the, the beach. So I'm just kind of taking pictures of her and she's making these jokes, you know, maybe you'll see the pictures on my Instagram or something, but she's making these jokes that, uh, I'm taking all the pictures of her and I'm not in any of the pictures. And just simply because I didn't want to bother everyone with taking the photo, my, it wasn't my iPhone. So I didn't know if they knew how to use my camera. Anyway, she's making this joke. She's like, everyone's going to think I'm here with a sugar daddy because I'm the one in all the pictures and no one's in them with me. So I thought that was good. But um, yeah, literally by the time we took all these photos and got to the end of this you know, walkway to the beach, we literally saw this the first Lazy River just to, off to our left. And uh, we just lounged in there. They had the, these floats, of course, to the Lazy River. And you float right up to the bar. You order drinks on your float in the water. That was a good time. We uh we met a nice military couple, male and female, both in the military. Great people. A uh, cute daughter they had. Um just a lot of fun. We had a great time with them. Had a couple drinks and then the uh the bummer is on the way back. So, when you get on the beach there's all these uh like huts, and they're selling souvenirs, t-shirts, you know, excursions, you know, pipes, Excuse me. All these, all these little things like that. Um, and uh, so we made a purchase at one of them, but sadly enough, I used my card and I didn't know that this was an issue. So I'll let you know. Don't do that if you are going to. If you're going to go on a tr- uh, anywhere really, and you want to make a purchase, and it's like sketchier situation like that, where it's geared towards tourists, and I mean, pull out some cash. Problem is. Um, they ended up charging me I, whatever I purchased, first of all, we are negotiating, and he wanted this amount and I wanted so I went down to half, and uh, of course he said, you know, no, and so we're arguing, we get to a price cool, whatever. Anyways, it isn't until the end of the trip that I, I look at my bank statement, and they charged me for the first the item that I purchased, um, the first initial price that he wanted that we negotiated down from. So he charged me then, and then he charged me 300, 300, 300 on my bank account um, I would say three times or two times. And that sucked because, you know, I get back to land and I didn't have my phone the whole time. We were just, well, I had it because it holds my card. Um, and there's an app that you use on the boat with your phone, but I'm uh, not on the internet, no emails, no texts, no phone calls, nothing. We were disconnected and it was incredible. Problem was it was four days later until I got off the cruise ship that I realized that they had just just destroyed my you know my card that i had given them and just charged me all this money i think there's also an issue with the boat charging me an extra drink, couple drink packages which they fixed but you know i get off the boat and the first thing there's like 1300 dollars missing from my bank account i'm like oh this sucks this is terrible but i guess you know the moral of the story is um don't you know don't use your card so basically i get you know i call bank of america they have a fraud thing and uh basically what they do to start the fraud thing is they say hey call the people because it could be a mistake and so you do, we just want to make sure before we dive into this and make it a bigger deal that there's no foul play here and this they could just credit you right back here's the problem it's a hut on a beach with no name the charges on my account were like the city the name of the city like Tulum or something and um yeah, so um, even when I'm talking to them, now they have to to launch a fraud case with these people. I had to get, get a new debit card, all this stuff, and they launched this uh, fraud case. But again, what are they going to do? Call them? There's no one to call. There's no number. There's there's not even a name of a hut that I was in. It was one random hut. So I don't really know what's going to happen. They seem pretty cool that, uh, you know, obviously they'll probably just give me the money back in 90 days or whatever. It's all good. But I'm just saying this so you don't get uh, get taking advantage of like I did. And again, this might be something that you guys are all like, duh, but I did not think of it. So, you know, get back. My bank account doesn't look quite right. Good thing. I looked a little closer to find out exactly what was missing and, and where it was missing from and how to get it back. So I'm pretty hopeful, but, um, yeah, that wasn't uh that wasn't a fun thing at first. Um, but we should be good. Um, so the next day we did this, uh, we did this beach excursion. And so basically we get, you get off the cruise ship and they'd say, you know, here's what all the things you can do. We purchased one that they give us a ride. So basically you don't get off where you can be on the beach. That's the weirdest part. So you get off and you're in the shopping area. So we purchase it. It takes us to this private beach. Um, you get open bar, um, they got uh, free snorkeling. There's like a there's a trampoline on the in the water, which is super fun. There's this gladiator style floaty thing, and it's like the length of a, a full room. And there's two sides. You stand on each one, and you try. It's a circle, huge circle, and you're supposed to run across it. And uh, it's so impossible. I tried so many times. I just ended up drinking so much salt water uh, because of all my attempts. But anyways, it was really fun. Uh, Joe, my wife was having a lot of fun. Problem is, is I was starting to um, feel real ill around this point in time. I couldn't keep uh, nothing. I had no appetite. I tried to take a shot because it was unlimited bar, part of the money we were paying for this, you know, package, and I puked. So I wasn't drinking. Um, no food in my stomach. My it, my stomach felt like a mess, and which sucks. You know, for me. My, I'm trying to just give my wife a good time and I'm just trying to smile through it. Cause naturally I wanted her to have the best, you know, honeymoon possible, but it was miserable for me. And uh, I just remember we were like taking these professional photos and I'm just like, they're like, how much do you want this photo? And she's like, I want it. And I'm like, Oh God. Okay. How much? And they're like, Oh, there's this frame and she's all excited. She had a good time. And I'm so glad she did. But I'm just like, I don't want to remember this part of the part of the trip. I was, I was pretty miserable. Um, but yeah, so she had a good time. I had a couple moments of good fun when I was trying that to get across that gladiator floaty. Like I I was trying so hard that I, I couldn't even feel the sickness that I that I had. So there was moments I had fun for sure. I don't want to you know rain on that parade. Um But we got back that night um, on the boat. The problem was it was just getting worse. So, I mean, I didn't drink like crazy the night before or anything, but we had some drinks on that floating river. And so at first I'm just thinking maybe I'm a little hungover, although it didn't feel like a hangover. But I didn't see what else, you know, it could have been. So anyways, by nighttime it's getting worse. And so I have cold sweats. I'm shaking. I'm nauseous. Um, At this point I'm still just trying to put on a smile and have a good time, you know, with her. But I'm just literally shaking freezing cold but also sweating and uh still couldn't keep you know didn't have an appetite and anything so she recommended i go see the doctor i figure okay we got nothing to lose so we go down um he gives me a huge shot in my ass and it was no fun <laughs> just, the doctor in the room me and my wife he's like all right drop your pants bend over boom big ass shot I didn't, i didn't see it but um I felt it for sure. Didn't feel good, and um, my wife's like, "Is that a normal needle?" Because she works in a medical, in a medical industry, uh, med spa, beauty. Like, so she's around. She sees these needles all the time. and She's like, "This thing looks pretty gigantic." Um, but he said it was normal size. I don't know. It Didn't feel normal. She said it was huge. Anyways, that was no fun. Um, he gives me some pills to take, and um, so I'm thinking we're gonna be good here. And actually, pretty quickly after the shot. I started feeling better. The problem is this. Um, he tells me that I have to stay in isolation for 24 hours. And, uh, you can imagine when you're paying, you know, a good amount of money to go on a cruise for six to seven days, good amount of money that you're paying for basically everything like 24 hours out of that is a big chunk. And again, I immediately think about my wife, like, Oh my gosh, like she's not going to want to walk around this boat alone. So she's being a trooper. She's being perfect. Like she stayed in the room with me, even though I didn't want her to. But she just wanted to be next to me, make sure I'm okay. She'd call to order me food until I started feeling better. She was perfect. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in isolation. She chose to stay next to me. And this room that I'm isolated in is, it feels like a dressing room. There's just these mirrors and a bed and a tiny couch, a little bathroom. Not anywhere you want to be for 24 hours. And it felt like 48 hours, to be honest, because when you're stuck somewhere, I feel like every minute, you know, feels like five. But, um, you know, that happened. Um, I think around four in the morning, I woke up again. And I was feeling better. So that was good. Uh, Basically, in the morning, though, I'm feeling not better, but enough to the point where I'm like, screw this. I, I don't I can't be in here. And we're paying money for, you know, a select amount of days to be on this cruise. So I'm not staying here. So um, we sneak out, basically. We want to go in the hot tub. So we sneak out. I put this huge hat that covers like everything for the sun. And it goes, covers a lot of my neck. It's got this flap that goes down. I put these huge shades on these aviator shades. And I'm sneaking around. We're like James Bond on this boat. Because basically everyone, it. long story short, the there's 15 other people just on my floor alone of the cruise ship that had whatever I had. And I forgot the name of it already, but it was a bug. And so everyone pretty much knows that there's some people on lockdown on this floor. Excuse me, but, um, so if anyone sees you, they tell you to get back and I'll tell you how I know that in a little bit. But, so we get out, um... We go to the hot tub. We're having a good time. Um, But, you know, I'm still tired. So at this point, you know, we want to go take a nap. So we go back. We take a nap. And uh, basically around 3 p.m., we try again because got a nap in. Um, Again, I'm still feeling better and better. 3 p.m., it's probably the best I felt for the rest of the cruise because it didn't fully go away. But at that point, midday that day, whatever, I was feeling good. So we go to sneak out again. This time we get caught, and they are not happy about this. This is basically what happens on a cruise when there's a sickness. They can't have it spreading, and I do get it 100%, and I don't condone breaking rules if you're in my position like this, but I'm paying for the day, and I want to you know, enjoy it the way I want to do it. So selfishly, I'm trying to sneak out. Second time, I get caught. They send me back, and now they're watching even closer because um, – this is a you know pretty big deal, and there's a lot of people that have whatever I had. So my isolation was supposed to end at like 8 p.m., but the doctor's office closed at 6 on the cruise ship. So 6 o'clock rolled around. They were supposed to call me, make sure I was feeling okay, and then okay me to leave. 6 o'clock rolled around, they're closed. So I'm out. Anyways, that's that was the end of the uh, isolation, but it was no joke, and... It, it was the end of this cruise too. the last couple days or the last day, I would say it was a f- 24 hours of the last, you know, day and a half. So it almost kind of tainted the memory of it from a f- like towards the end, because I was like this, it's the most recent event of the ship was this, even though we were having the time of our lives up to it. So anyways, we had one more night when I got out of isolation. So we went to this battle of the sexes. Um, that was a good time It was basically cup they chose games male versus female obviously the one I participated in was balloon popping so they pick a girl and a guy and they get them up there and they demonstrate different ways to pop balloons you chest to chest or back to back or humping the balloon to pop it and they and they you they make it seem like the guys are gonna do it to the girl and the girls are gonna do it to the guy and then they say oh one more real switch so the guys are humping these guys to get this balloon to break and I, luckily i had back-to-back so we just locked arms and popped it that was what i participated in the men won that game which is kind of bullshit because that was the last one and i was a part of it and helped win that one but the girls won all the other events and for some reason they said the last the last event counted for more i don't quite understand what what the uh, the mindset was behind that but whatever men won so the next one was this, uh, next game they were doing that night was a scavenger style game. I basically the host would go disappear and show up different places. That was the only scavenger aspect about it because everything else happened where you were seated. So that she, she, um, divided the whole auditorium into like four groups. And I was, you know, group three with my wife. Um, and you know, different games are going on. Anyways, again, I'm, take part in just happened to be the last game of this. Again, it's kind of random. There's a lot of people playing and I don't know how I got a part of both of these games, but, um, (laughs) the last game is you have to find the toughest man in your, in your seating section and turn him into a woman. So, uh, you know, I'm not the one saying this. Everyone turns and just stares at me probably because of the tattoos or something but they all decided that I was going to be the tough guy to be turned into a woman. So I run up there. I'm taking my clothes off in front of everyone down to my boxers and a woman hands me her skirt. I put her skirt on another girl hands me her bra. I put her bra on. I got a a coat. This girl gives me her lipstick. I put the lipstick on (laughs) and, uh, This girl gives me her sandals, but I can't wear those. Uh, My feet were just too big for the sandals. Anyways, we get up, and now we have to make an alter ego. So I chose to be Leanne instead of Lee. And we have to all talk about our job, what we do, a made-up job as a female. Every guy said stripper, and then it gets to me, and I said that I I like to make sure that every captain is satisfied. So the room got a kick out of that. I was so embarrassed. The worst part is like I said, I'm not fully, you know, recovered. So being in front of a crowd and talking on a microphone, when I just have this uneasy stomach, I'm like, I'm going to puke in front of everyone dressed as a woman. And then all these girls aren't going to get their clothes back that I'm wearing. And it's just thinking of the worst possible scenario, a mixture of anxiety and sickness, but it was all good. And the game was a lot of fun. Um, After that, there was like a 30 minute comedy show. And that wrapped up the cruise uh, for that night, you know, we had to leave it you know, six in the morning, or at least wake up at six in the morning and get off. So not much was going on that night. Things kind of added early. Um, next morning we were off. We rented a car in Galveston again, where we came back to port and uh, headed home for some much needed rest. I think we slept for a day and a half when we got home, which felt incredible. The bed we had in our cabin was two twins pushed together. So it wasn't quite comfortable. Again, we're on a ship In the middle of the ocean so who cares but it was good to get home in our bed and and relax that was nice um but yeah it wasn't till probably a day after we got home that I even felt like that bug was behind me so that was no joke um that we stole the quarantine sign that was above my room that said I couldn't leave it so that's a little souvenir but yeah I mean uh I've been off tour for a while so and and it's great for writing music so I come home and I'm so excited to do that but then if I'm home for like two months by the end of it I feel like I'm just I don't know I need like a some sort of inspiration I need it just to be refreshed or you know I need to be engaged in something anyways that cruise did it for me so I came home and felt really inspired uh, I started another song for my second solo record which I'm pretty deep into at this point as far as that world goes, I have eight. I had nine songs actually. I made one. One was real kind of heavy, and I wanted a heavy song on the album just because my my album is more on the pretty side of things, the melodic side of things. And when I was on tour with Animals as Leaders and Car Bomb for my first solo tour, I could tell that you know my set would benefit from heavier moments. So I started with this heavy song. Um, it just. Got heavier and heavier and I just turned it into a Born of Osiris song. So back I'm back to eight songs for my solo record, which is cool. Um I wrote the the main hooks, the the structure of the song, but I need to just lay down, you know, two solo sections. I actually want to find for the bridge of the song, instead of doing a solo myself there, I'm kinda I want to find like a really good pianist, piano player to do something cool. I just don't know who to get, so if, you know, here's a place to interact. If, if you think of anyone that you think would be good on my record to play piano, I really I want a really fat a beautiful flowing solo um, and I just don't know who to who to call for this one. Um, but yeah, that ended up kind of just flowing out of me because all that recent inspiration. so um I made the one song a boo song, and then it was kind of at a halt where it was for my solo record. And then I just realized, once it became "boo," it just was easy to finish because it should have been "boo" from the start. I was just pushing to have a heavier song on my solo record, but um, I sent it to the band. I sent it to the label, um, Ash. You know, the owner of the label said that you know this melody was brilliant and it's going to be a hit. And the band said they liked it, so that made me feel good. I think anyone, and you know, if you have any kind of art, you do when you get that nod of approval from the people you care about, it feels good. So. That was nice to come home, write some new music, and just feel that everybody enjoyed it. So you'll hear that on the new Boo record, on, assuming that, you know, they can write some vocals to it. Um, basically, January is going to be the time that we do Born of Osiris, the new record. We have eight songs completely tracked all the way up to vocals. It's completely done. And then we've, since then, we've made like well over 10 more and um not the vocals haven't been tracked yet so we're going to wrap up vocals in january we're going to wrap up any more guitar work i have to track some of the songs that nick rossi has done just cuz i tracked the rest of the record and we just want it to be cohesive um and all feel like it came from the same studio at least um we're not sure who's mixing it yet but yeah there's not too much going on or too much left to do for that so i'm excited and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I think that it's by far our best Born Osiris record. And it's not even finished, and I already know that. Just because with Nick Rossi being in the band now, writing we have you know three, as far as music goes, three songwriters for the music instead of just Cameron and myself. And obviously the rest of the guys, everyone does their part. I'm just saying the start of a song used to just come from Cameron or me. And now we have Nick. Excuse me. and And just having these different styles. It's just, it's just making for a really exciting record. Of all, the more the technical stuff is more technical. Excuse me. The the pop, the the more melodic side is more even more catchy. And there's just some really punishing, like Lamb of God style riffs that Nick Rossi's writing, and it's just, it's just a pretty, you know, versatile record. And I'm excited. And I haven't even heard vocals on all the songs because i not done yet. So, but I'm still confident in it enough to say that. So that'll be out next year. And uh we're gonna try to get out as soon as possible. I know we talked about doing the second one this year, it just didn't happen. We we're making it longer for you, so I think in the end it'll be worth it. And I've said this on previous episodes of the podcast, but in the end, it's much for the better. All right, I wanna get into a couple album reviews. So I told you on podcast three, the last one, that I would do Car Bomb because they're on our Buenos Aires tour next month. And they were on my first solo tour as i mentioned my first solo tour playing my album was me i opened it then it was car bomb and it was animals as leaders so that was my first real introduction to car bomb and, and those guys and man there's something else um some of the nicest guys they're all computer programmers and the way they look at least greg like the guitar player the way he looks at his axe effects is isn't the way that i feel like everyone else does where we put maybe a compressor into drive pedal into an amp into a cab and then whatever you want to put your effects blah 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 he doesn't look at it like that he looks at it like the machine that it is which is so impressive so if you hear car bomb's record and this is the so the, the album i'm talking about is called mordial by car bomb and if you hear if you listen to it you'll see exactly what i'm talking about these people approach the guys in this band approach things just differently um so the album's called mordial band is car bomb See here, it's released in 2019. There's 12 tracks. It's 46 minutes long. It was produced. Uh, it was mixed and mastered by Nolly. Uh, I don't know about master, but I'm gonna assume yes. At least it was mi- it was uh, mixed by Nolly, who does Periphery and a lot of other great sounding albums. So the the album is very natural. The guys are are like that. They don't use a click live. They said they didn't even use a click in the studio. This this will blow your mind, especially if you hear it because. This is some of the most technical metal I've heard, like in a while. But not some of those people that do crazy tech are just trying to be weird and and trying to get techie for the sake of techie. And I don't get down with that. Uh, I think that if you're going to be technical, it should it should have a purpose. And that's just my opinion. So these guys are like a masuga if they were like technical mixed with Gojira. It's just unbelievable with the craziest guitar tones you'll ever hear so and they're the nicest guys ever to tour with so they're they're on uh um, they're on that tour they're on the next month's born of osiris tour and um so as i was saying the album is called mordial 2019 i want to tell you my favorite track on it the one that i liked was called scattered sprites it's track four some of the again please check it out some of the craziest guitar tones ever I asked Greg, the guitar player, to show me some of his patches, and he's like, "I think he, you know, he's getting that question a lot. Everyone wants to see the pack, uh, the patches, and I think he's not trying to, you know, give all that information up, but he let me look at some. And even looking at him, I didn't know what the hell I'm seeing. This stuff is crazy, and so I'm really encouraging you to listen to it. the the out The band is great. The songs are heavy. the 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 recording is pristine. You can tell the drums are just really natural too. You know, um, I know Nolly has GGD, but this is no fake recording by any means. This um, the drums sound huge but real. The guitars are massive. I had great talks with the bass player as well on the tour because I remember like us and animals, myself and animals as leaders, are watching them every night. Like, how does this sound so heavy live? And then you would hear his bass tone, and it wasn't. It was good, but it wasn't like when. That bass tone you heard from this one band that was just the best thing ever. And we were talking to him about it, and he's like, I don't look at bass as a way to stand out. I'm trying to fill exactly a spot in the mix. And so he dials in his bass tone when when Greg's playing his guitar. So it's about what they create together with the mixture of their tones instead of what they sound like alone. And it is just unreal. And you can hear it on, uh, on the recording. You can hear it live. They're just so good and uh, the nicest people. So check that out. Car Bomb, Mordial, 2019. And as always, I like to give you an oddball. Uh, something that you might not expect me to listen to. So I'm going to do this artist named Jacob Collier. Collier? 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 I don't know. Uh, Jacob, last name C-O-L-L-I-E-R. The album is called Jesse like the, the male name or, or not male name, the, the name Jesse, um, cause it can go male or female, but, um, with a D in front of it, almost like gent. So I don't know if there's any relation there, but that's the name. So this is volume two. So there's, he has three records out. The second one is Jesse volume one. This one that came out 19 is Jesse volume two. This is 16 tracks. It's an hour and 11 minutes. Um, I found this dude, Jacob, on Steve Vai's Instagram. Steve Vai posted a picture playing guitar with him, saying, like, this is one of the brightest minds in music. I'm giving him a lesson on vibrato. I'm like, okay, for Steve Vai to say that, that's a huge deal. So I would go to some YouTube videos, some Instagram. And my mind is blown by what I see. This this, this dude, Jacob, is just so incredibly talented at multiple instruments. His voice... Um, he's a master of harmony, particularly vocal harmony. He has, it sounds like 20 layers of vocals happening at once sometimes. And the cool thing is that, um, each like harmony that you're hearing of, say you're hearing 10 vocal harmonies, each one on their own could be its own melody, its own section. They're traveling in different directions, the harmonies, but they're always working together. It's really unreal. I don't know how he writes this stuff. And He's also a master of rhythm, I feel like he's a master of music. This kid's a genius, I I truly believe. Um just, when you when you hear the drums, you can kind of feel that he's leading in the drums are about to come in. They they come in and you think it's gonna swing one way and then they just swing a totally different direction. It catches you off guard. And it was just the whole time, the whole album, it's it's just fun to listen to. It's not the kind of record that you walk away singing like all the melodies, per se, but like it's it's like too dense to to just pull it all away and walk away and start singing it like you would a pop song you hear on the radio you can instantly sing but that being said like i couldn't take my ears off of it i was just every second stole my attention um it's and this is by far the you know the most out there album or songs you know that i've reviewed on this podcast but i think it's something that a lot of you guys especially musicians that are watching this will get a lot of content and context out of just just unbelievable music by an unbelievable musician it's i couldn't even describe it anymore you're gonna have to check it out but one of the albums said um like r&b the other one said jazz and like was top three in the jazz chart so i don't i don't think any of those fit the description of what you're hearing on these records but you have to check it out either way um this dude's musically brilliant and it shows everywhere on the album like in each song so check that out jesse volume two jacob collier i hope i'm saying his name right i'll probably learn when it's when this podcast is already out and i already made a fool of myself but anyways let's get into some shows i um i have an announcement not a tour um but i'll be doing a solo performance i'll be performing at the nam kickoff party in january um it's going to be one of two performances that I give at NAMM this year. Uh, this one is going to be a full band performance. I'm going to be performing my solo album, Infinite Mind. Um, I have an amazing group with me. Aaron Staconner from The Faceless, Rings of Saturn, Interloper on Drums. Alain Metau, uh is an amazing Berkeley guitar player who plays bass. He's going to play live with me. Uh, he's playing bass. Um, and Adrian Terraza-Gonzalez who played sax on my record, is uh, text me today that he wants to make the show if he can. So hopefully that's going to be my band. If not, we'll have to put the sax on uh, you know, a track or whatever. But I can only do so much with that kind of thing, with these you know, performances. The second performance I give is going to be at the Kiesel booth, and that'll just be me playing guitar, not a full band. But I'll play Born of Osiris songs. I'll play uh, everything, maybe an Inmotive song solo music for sure. Um, but for back to the show that I'm talking about, the lineup is going to be, there's two, there's three local bands, I believe. Um, and then there's a band called artificial language that opens up, um, really cool band, particularly the guitar player. Um, Charlie is, uh, someone I follow on Instagram, really talented. He also makes solo music. It feels like Latin. And he's just really rhythmic on his lead parts and on his on the drums and the, everything just sounds really cool. Um, anyways, Artificial Language is opening. Uh, Sarah Longfield is playing second, very talented uh, female guitar player, and uh, and I play third. Uh, after me is Night Verses, followed by the Faceless, who will close the show. Um, all very talented artists. I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, the show is at this place called the Seven Twenty Venue. I tried to find more information about it, but it's just 720 venue. And it just, I got the address. It says 720 East 16th street, Los Angeles. So this is January 16th. This is the first day of NAM at night. Um, it's all ages and I'm going to throw it. Uh, if I remember when I'm done with this, I'm going to put a ticket link in the, um, below this video. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple music or whatever, then you'll find it on my social media. Either way, if you search my name in the faceless and it, you'll find it, but I'll do what I can to make it easier for you. So that's going to be a fun show. Um, also I have, uh, the born of Osiris tour in December. This is the last simulation, um, tour of 2019. Um, that is going to be us. Um, it is with Oceano car Bomb, and last 10 seconds of life. Um, the uh we have a lot of history with each band Oceano we've uh you know the singer was at our first Buenos Aires show as a local group he supported us for a long time um it's a loud car outside um yeah we just known them forever they're great guys then Car Bomb who I've obviously just talked up enough and then opening this uh the tour is last 10 seconds of life um so we're gonna have fun uh I will give you the the dates at uh towards the end of the podcast. And, uh, so let's do some questions. Like I said, I want to do a pretty, um, interactive podcast. And so I asked you for questions on Instagram and you guys sent me some, so we'll do some of those. Um, let's see. First question, uh, Instagram tag is XLXValentineXLX Ask me, when am I going to show you more of my bass playing? So it's a good question. I think I need to do more content in general. Uh, I've always been the kind of guy who's like, I'm writing records and I'm putting them out and I'm touring. So I'm extremely active and always working, but I don't think to like, oh, I should make a guitar video for my Instagram. I don't think about social media as much. And I should. I know it's the age we live in. But for me, I just, uh, it's just not something I think too much about. Anyways, I'm going to get better at that. I'm going to do more guitar videos even if it means one or two less podcasts, but I don't think anyone's mad about that. Um, I just, you know, I'm getting, I'm new to editing when it comes to video. And so these things are hard for me to put together. Podcasts is kind of easy, just lining up audio with video. But even that I've screwed up a couple of the podcasts. I'm sure you've seen a couple of little mistakes here and there, but in a free form thing like this, I don't care too much. But yeah, so as far as bass playing, like you've heard it for years, to be honest. I've played bass on some Born of Osiris records sometimes when maybe I wrote a song and uh we hit the studio pretty soon after and didn't have time to really, you know, go over it with our bass player. So you've heard me on Born with Cyrus Records playing bass on Infinite Mind I play all of the bass. Play all the instruments on Infinite Mind. Um so you've heard it a lot, so when are you gonna see it? That's a good question. Maybe I'll make a video. I actually have been kind of I have a camera off in the corner of my studio and when I'm writing I try to hit record and um i try to one second sorry um i try to get some of the footage but again i'm so in the moment recording music that i'm not thinking about recording but so long story short i'm gonna get some footage playing bass Uh, i already have some and uh but yeah i think you know even live for things i think that it'd be fun to maybe do a jam session during my solo performances where maybe i hop on play other instruments so you could see it live potentially at the moment. It's not in the plans. But if I had a long enough headlining set, then I would do that. Um, but yeah, there'll be there'll be some footage coming out. I have a really cool bass um, from Kiesel. I am absolutely obsessed with the sound of it. Um, it looks good. It sounds good. And uh, I couldn't be happier with it. So I should probably do a little review of that. And I uh, should probably give you some bass content second question at k-h-o-i-n-z-e-l-l Cohenzell maybe on instagram who is my favorite guitarist is the question um my favorite guitarist is guthrie govin by a long shot uh, i wouldn't say that my entire life but right now that's the answer to this question so i feel that guitar players you know some are known to be the fastest some are known for their their phrasing. Some are known for their tone. Some are known for, obviously, many different reasons. With Guthrie Govan, I feel like he's the perfect combination of all of them. I think that uh, his solo album, uh, Erotic Cakes, is probably my favorite instrumental guitar album ever. It's a perfect mix of tone, phrasing, melody, speed, legato, playing. Like I'm saying that he does everything that makes certain guitar players special. He does them all at the highest level and maybe better. Some guys known for this. I feel like he does it better along with many other things. And so it's really, uh, it's unbelievable really to, to listen to the guy play. So I would check out his album, erotic cakes, erotic cakes. Um, he also has a band called the aristocrats and, um, it's an amazing lineup. So you should uh check them out as well. But in particular, check out his Almirata Cakes. I think he's the best of everything that makes guitar what is what it is. And uh that's why he's my favorite. Um, question next question from at Dylan Spitz Lukewarm Something. It's so long it doesn't it goes off the question part. Um question is do you think you ever revisit electronic music production ever again? I don't think I will go back to doing electronic music. I did it for a while. I would say maybe 2014, maybe around there. I did it for a few years and I, I'm totally probably wrong on the years. I did it early two thousand just around 2010 to 2014. Let's say that. Um, and it was fun. I remember at the time there's a lot electronic music was pretty popular as it, I'm sure it will remain, but everyone is kind of accusing everyone of being like space bar pushers in that world. And I couldn't, I gotta say, it couldn't be more wrong because just learning how to do electronic music taught me so much about doing mixing metal music. And I think that doing that made me what I am as far as a producer and engineer in metal because I think before, and it's obvious that, you know, there's things like subtractive EQing and additive, er, adding, boosting EQ, but. It wasn't until I was working with bass frequencies that were just so massive. You want this massive sub-bass, and then you want this massive kick drum. And trying to fit it all into a mix and not just sounding blown out and distorted is a challenge. And so just the way you get around finding uh, you know, each instrument's place in the mix was fascinating to me, and it made me better at metal. You know, when you play guitar alone, you might want it to sound huge and fucking massive low-end and all this. But then on a mix, you, you're going to take a lot of that out because it's really just taking up space. And there's only so much space available in your mix from left to right, top to bottom. It's really just a big, uh, you know, sphere of, of places where you have to find where everything fits. And if you try to just make everything as big as possible and fit it right in, it's just not going to work. And I feel like electronic music really helped me learn that. So I'm, th- I'm so thankful for that part of my music career. But uh, I think at this point in time, I don't know if I'll go back to it because now I have my solo stuff and that's kind of, you know, obviously my heart's in that a lot just because I mean, naturally, you know, when you make a record and you play every instrument and you write everything on your own, it's going to mean a lot to you. So so that's that. But uh, I had a blast with it. And, uh, you know, some of it's embarrassing to listen to, but, you know, just what I learned was uh, was great. I put guitar in it, though. So, you know, I'm not I don't dislike it all. I like some of it, but it's an interesting time of my music career. And I'm not sure that I'll revisit that again. Um, next question at Tyler Blair dot 1992 on Instagram says, how do you get such awesome noise gates for example born of osiris your song silence the echo so that's basically just turning the gate all the way up so basically when it comes to the intro of of silence the echo for example i assume that's what you're talking about it's a very staccato guitar part so let's say in the studio of course obviously you want to get it as tight as possible because you need to play it live and it needs to be as t- the same live so it's there. If I need to on the computer, you know, if I wanted to tighten something up, that's fine. So on the computer you can really do anything, but that's not a way to get a get away with a music career. And I learned that early in my uh in my uh producing career because I would do things and I would be like, shit, now I gotta play that live. Anyways, live I have a patch for that one guitar part and the gate is just super high. So I'm saying anything you play on that patch is not gonna sound very good. It's going to sound sucked in and dry, but that one guitar part needs to be that way. So, I would say to get these gates, just do what you think you might have to do and just crank it up, but realize that you're not going to play any other part of the song on that gate. If you try to play the solo on that high of a gate, it would be disgusting. So, let's talk about if you don't have an XFXer, which is what I use. Back in the day when we were growing up with After the Burial in the Midwest before Sumerian Records, you know, um, back back in the day, I remember talking to Trent. And so, you know, the NS2, the white noise suppressor pedal. Well, he had two of them. So we always all had one engaged right on our pedal board back in the day. But this is before XFX, of course. And we all had one pedal engaged. And so you would turn it up and chug. And when it sounded right, Cool. But they were doing similar thing. And I was like, how do you get the guitar part so tight? And it wasn't until I looked at his pedal board, he had two of these noise gates. And he would engage the second one when he needed to play something that tight. So to answer your question, if you have a patch-based guitar rig, just get a patch that is extremely tight. And make sure when that part you need it that tight for is done, you're not using that patch anymore. Switch to a more open rhythm sound, which is what I do for that song. And if you're uh, using a more classic setup, uh, just try a second noise gate so you can have one engaged all the time which you probably need if you're using a tube amp and then engage the second one when you really want to play something extremely tight like that let's do one more question um, at shish kawadim s-h-i-s-h-k-o-w-a-d-i-m on instagram says how do you learn to compose such beautiful solos so thank you for calling them beautiful, but the way I compose them is actually interesting. Um, with Born of Osiris, we always make songs and we go to the studio, and our songs are done when we get to the studio. And now that you know I've done the records, you know of course they're done because you know they're on my computer. But if we were going to another studio, we would have the songs, and I wouldn't have my solos done when when I entered the studio because I believe with anything, and I've talked about how I write on other podcasts but I think if you think, if you overthink something, it can get stale and bland and it can lose its shelf life for yourself quickly. And so, um, for me, I, I like to freestyle things. So basically I will just loop it in the studio, the solo section, and I'll just solo over it and it just keeps looping and I'll find one little thing I like and I'll put it in there and I'll keep going. I'll find the next thing I like and so in the end you have to make it something that you can play beginning to end of course but I find that I just keep going over and over and freestyling and just taking out the parts that I like and then once you have some ideas like hey I like these five things I did over the course of all this freestyling now let's put it together and make it a solo then perform the solo and there you have it um that's how i've done it for Buenos osiris as far as my solo stuff since it's all kind of based around that it all comes together around the same time like i said earlier the song i have now i don't have the solos done but that was because it was based more upon the, the piano progression that i was playing and i have a keyboard part actually and it might be a guitar part too um maybe i'll match it whatever harmonize but yeah so i'd say it all come about differently i just would discourage you know I don't want to discourage anyone of anything, but I'm not someone who's going to use a guitar pro program. I don't have any of those MIDI guitar programs on any of my computers. I don't know how to use them anyways. It would slow me down. I'd rather just play something and record it because it's done. But I find that when I freestyle something in the studio and do it naturally like that, that it lasts much longer for me, and I have more enjoyment listening to it for much longer of a period of time. So that's how I do that. Um, Thank you for the questions. If you have any more questions, put them in the comments of this video. Hit me up on uh, social media. And that's going to be at Leo Cyrus on all social media. Um, If uh, Facebook too, I'm not good at Facebook. I should say this. If you're someone that's uh, maybe sent me a message on Facebook and you didn't get a response and you're wondering why, that is because I fell behind on my uh, Facebook a long time ago. And I've just, there's been no coming back from that. So any social media Twitter, Instagram are preferred. The comments of YouTube are preferred. Those three, um, and then Facebook again. It's who knows what will happen. But yeah, I just wanna I want to answer your questions. So so far I've been doing Instagram just because it organizes it for me really nicely, and you can see them all next to each other. But yeah, thank you for the questions. Um, I want to talk about some sponsors uh, for the podcast. The first one is Clocks and Colors. I'm actually wearing their shirt. I don't know if you can see it. Um, but they are a handcrafted men's jewelry company. Uh, this ring, these necklaces, I don't know what, yeah, you can see them. That's um, all clocks and colors. Handcrafted men's jewelry. They have really cool stuff, uh, cool themes, biker themes, Um, you know, just a lot of cool, cool different stuff. All handcrafted, uh, a lot of stuff that's silver. You can get some, I think it's mostly silver there's other materials that are a little bit cheaper that they have some things, but mostly silver and gold is their uh, more primary materials. Uh, you can check their website out at clocksandcolors. Colors is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R-S.com. That's wwwc dot scom The second sponsor is Head Rush Clothing. This is for men and women this is biker style well-made clothing um i have they sent me a lot of stuff and my wife a lot of stuff and what i notice is that instead of maybe maybe a print or uh ink on a t-shirt they they make all their stuff with patches it's all sewn in very high quality uh the shirts are maybe 30 to 40 bucks instead of your maybe 15 to 20 shirt but they fit so well it's worth it you put them on and it just it just feels legit um and, uh, yeah, you, you can't ask for more than that. Um, they fit well. The website is www.headrushbrand.com. That's www.h-e-a-d-r-u-s-h-b-r-a-n-d.com. And lastly, I want to talk about, uh, a charity that I support. It's called Hope for the Day. This is a nonprofit uh, anti-suicide charity. Their motto, their motto is it's okay not to be okay. I'm sure we've all had someone that's gone through a dark time in their life. And maybe it's you. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a friend. Uh, what Hope for the Day does is basically strive to combat all of this with music. Um, my friend John Boucher runs this um, out of Chicago where I grew up. And he went on Warp Tour. Um, when I do my headlining tour next year, I will be donating to every for proceeds from each show to this. Um, They're going to be sending out postcards and bracelets for you guys to check out on that tour when it gets rescheduled. Um, Yeah, I think uh, music is such a medicine. Music, comedy, art, anything um, is such a helpful tool, you know, to to feel okay and and get yourself out of some darker places. So that's that. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I want to talk tour dates for the Born of Osiris tour. This is the Simulation 3 tour. This is the third one off the first simulation record um december 3rd we're in Louisville, kentucky at the diamond pub concert hall december 4th we're in greensboro north carolina at blind tiger the fifth we're in virginia beach at elevation 27 on the 6th of december we're in Easton, pennsylvania at one center square on the 8th we're in hartford connecticut at webster webster underground on the 9th, we're in Quebec City at La Duetuel. I don't know how to say that. L-E space D-A-U-T-E-U-I-L in Quebec City on the 9th of December. On the 10th, we're in Ottawa, Ontario at the Brass Monkey. On the 11th, we're in London, Ontario at Rum Runners. That sounds dangerous, doesn't it? Big night, maybe? Who knows? On the 14th, we're in Grand Rapids, Michigan at a venue called Stash. Cool. Uh, on the 15th, we're in Palatine, where most of us grew up, Illinois, at Dirty Nelly's Venue. The event, uh, The lineup is us, Oceano, Car Bomb, Last 10 Seconds of Life. That is the buenos of Osiris. Final dates of 2019. 2020, I'll be at NAMM. I have one show before the thing starts. Well, the night of the, uh, the first night, excuse me. That is on January 16th in Los Angeles at the 1720 venue that is with The Faceless, Night Versus, myself, Sarah Longfield, and Artificial Language. That is Thursday, January 16th, Nam 2020. Um, And that's all for this podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for listening or watching. Um, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the input, the questions and everything. And I will see you, I hope to do one or two more podcasts before December. So I'll see you on the next one. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.